Welcome to this episode of the Essential Church Podcast, an ongoing conversation about some of the most important issues facing the local church today. I'm your host, Andrew Arndt, joined today by Daniel Grothy and Glenn Packiam. So guys, one of the things that I love about New Life is that when you walk the halls of New Life, just outside our main worship auditorium, you see the words of the Nicene Creed displayed for all to see. And some of my favorite moments in our community are actually when we say the creed congregationally. There's just something about it. To me, having thousands of people declaring this age-old statement of the story that Christians believe that they're living in. It's inspiring to me. It's also in the same breath, I think I'd add, that it's kind of unusual for a large non-denominational evangelical church with roots in the charismatic tradition to do this. So I'm wondering if you could just talk us through here. Tell me about that a little bit. Like for New Life Church, why the creed? I'm not sure exactly how it all happened, you know, but I I do think there was a Sunday evening service we were running in 2009, and Brady had encouraged us to use that service as a laboratory space. Because there were a lot of these ideas that were kicking around in his heart and in our hearts, and he said, hey, this is a great kind of risk-free laboratory space. Just test it out. And so we ended up doing weekly communion in that service. We ended up using some prayers and some confessions, and the creed became part of the weekly worship there. And then it wasn't long when, when Brady actually brought it up to the elders of the church, and he said, guys, I just think instead of having a unique statement of faith that highlights the ways that we are different from other churches, why not we go back to this article, this statement of faith, uh, the Nicene Creed, that shows how we're all united. And the elders, you know, resonated with that. And so I think that's kind of the beautiful beginning of it. Yeah, I grew up just a staunch charismatic, and it was always about the newness among us. Do you know how important we are, that the Spirit just keeps sweeping into our gatherings mm-hmm. and and all that old dead religion out there, and that was the straw man argument, and we were the ones who were on the frontier of faith. And I think what the creed has done around new life, and at least in my own heart, is in a world that's drunk on individuality, the creed sort of sobers us, and it roots us in a community in a world that is afraid of commitment. It's so particular. The creed makes us say we actually believe something. In a a world that loves new, the creed takes us back. and, And, you know, in a skeptical world, the creed says, you know what? we actually believe something. We have faith in. Totally. I I remember when we were introducing this to people, some one of the illustrations I would use is, you know, I I think in our kids' preschool or kindergarten, I can't remember which age it was, but they had this activity at the school where you had to bring in this brown paper bag and there's like a letter on the bag. What's in the bag? What's in the bag, exactly. And so the kids had to guess and all this stuff. And I thought, you know what? This is what we've done with Christianity or with the gospel to the world. We've sort of made the world guess what's in the bag. And over over the years, we've thrown in a whole lot of stuff in the bag. He's, oh, you got to vote this way, and oh, you got to believe this way, and oh, you know, and all of these little things that we've thrown into the bag. And so we've all encountered people who have walked away from the faith because they thought it was an all or nothing proposition. Sure. And so they thought, oh, I got to say yes to all of these additives, so to speak, sure. in the bag, and I can't. So I guess I'm going to leave the resurrection aside as well. You yeah. Know? So the creed is sort of traveling light. Yes. The creed is a trim and lean faith. It's a faith that's ancient and tethered, but it's a faith that's uncluttered by all of the cultural incrustations that accumulate yes. in each new age, so right? So good. So New Life has embraced us for four or five years. It's kind of it's been, been a bit longer than that. Yeah, okay, maybe six, a bit longer than that. Maybe seven. Okay, that's, a long, that's yeah. a long enough time yeah. for it to get into the culture a little bit. Are there ways in which you've seen it 
tilt New Life's culture one way or another, or things that you've seen it change just by being in the water? Yeah, I think uh, we've said around here several times, the collective we believe in is much stronger than the I of faith. And in a world that's really uh, interested in the I assertions, uh, when people come and they have doubt and they're afraid and they've just lost a loved one and the bottom has fallen out and they actually don't know that they believe in, they can step into a space where the community, thousands of people gather around them and we take hands and we say, look, I know you're weak today, yep. but we believe in and you're going to make it. And so I think what it's done is it's created this safety net underneath people that says, look, you're gonna have times where the bottom does fall out, it's fine. Yep. And then you're gonna come back into a season of strength and I'm going to be weak Week, and you saying we believe in is going to carry me. Yep. And it, it does root us in this communal family of God we believe in. Yeah, there's a buoyancy to the communal confession of faith, you know, that we're riding on this together. And not just the communal sense of all of us in this room, in this local church, but the global yes. we, the global yes. we. I mean, we have, we've always had flags in our buildings yep. at New Life to remind us of the global church. Well, in, in one way, saying the creed is just a perfect extension of this. Of course, New Life would articulate the creed together because we've always wanted to remember the global we. I think what it also adds is the historic we. Yep. It says, you know, what you said earlier, Daniel, but we're not the first ones. We're not making this up. And honestly, in our age where everybody's skeptical about everything that Christians are saying or evangelicals are saying, the creed is a chance to say, you know what? That which we have believed, we have received. Yes. Mm -hmm. This is a received faith, yes. and we're stewarding a great mystery yes. and a great history here. So there's a historic we that's part of It is of that. sort of the proclamation that matches up beautifully with Hebrews 11. We're all so familiar with the hall of faith and all these people. Well, this is what they believed, and this is what they walked, and this is the faith they entrusted to us. And so now we're taking up their heritage and their legacy on our lips, and we're saying it together. And who do we think? we are to sort of set that aside. You know, exactly. we can't do that. We've been given something. I heard Pastor Brady tell a story one time about a church that he was visiting in Wales. And when he walked into the church, you have to pass through the, like the graveyard, the graveyard. is at the front of the yep. church. And you have to walk through that before you get inside. And he asked the pastor about that. Why do you guys have this? And he said, we have this so that we remember. Yes that we've been given something and our ministry and our life together has to rise to the level of these saints who have gone before us, mm -hmm. which is such a foreign concept oh, in, the, in yeah. the United States yeah. in this culture of rampant individuality. And like you said earlier, Glenn, like some of our statements of faith are more about marketing in some ways, Yes, right? It's more about like what sets us apart versus what are we part of that we're trying to steward faithfully. It is. I mean, it's again, something we've picked up from the marketplace where differentiated space, you know, like everything about business is find the differentiated space where you make your niche. And I, I get that, and I understand that. And we're not pretending that each church doesn't have its own particular contribution to make. Of course it does. At the same time, this is a question of what is our bedrock? And our bedrock is not our distinctiveness. Our yes. bedrock is our unitedness in Christ. And what I love about the creed is that the old can say it, and the infirmed can say it, and the disenfranchised can say it, and the Church of the Global South has been saying it. They taught us to say it. And so it's a statement that is not locatable in any one place, yeah, in right. any one time in history. Yeah. Talk to me from a pastoral standpoint, as the creed has rooted itself in your soul and your mind, how has it influenced your pastoral ministry, your preaching, your thinking about worship? Talk to me about that for a second. If it doesn't go through the four stanzas, if my sermon doesn't 
say Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one holy, mm -hmm. universal, mm -hmm. and apostolic church, mm -hmm. one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, resurrection of the dead, life of the world to come, mm -hmm. I have not risen to the level of what a word ought to be. Yeah. And so for me, it's helped create this infrastructure of what I'm trying to say, where I'm trying to take this, and these are the safe lanes within which a sermon must run. Yeah. And if I'm dancing on the periphery or moving outside of that, I have come up with my own gospel. And so for me, it's a great baseline check. You know, you take your car in for a 40-point inspection, give it a once-over. If you can't put your sermon through the creed and give it a once-over, you still got work to do. So good. I mean, you alluded to this, but that, that was the first thing on my mind too, is the Trinitarian structure of the Trinitarian shape of of the creed. And even though the Trinity is one of those things where, you know, all analogies fail and we try, you know, <laughs> but what the creed does is it gives you a way of speaking about each person of the Trinity in a way that you know these phrases have been fought over. Yes. These phrases yes. have been measured out. And so we can say that the Holy Spirit is the Lord and the giver of life. And we can talk about Jesus as the one through whom all things have been made. We can say things about the Father as yes. the source of all creation. And so in some ways, it's taught our people to pray. Yep. You know, I, I realize as non-denominational people, we pray in a really sloppy way, you know, and I mean, we can all make the jokes about someone saying, Father, thank you for dying on the cross, or, you know, the, the little <laughs> oopsies. I mean, but, but it's not that those are just technicalities. I think it's that in our mind, there's an undifferentiated way of addressing the triune God. And right. the creed says, this is one, and yet we can shine the light on each person of the Trinity. And again, you know, one of the amazing things, I mean, it is sort of the fourth we believe in, but the way the creed is structured as three articles that the church, the section on the church actually folds into the section on the Holy Spirit. Yep. So I've seen us link our theology of church more closely to a theology yep. of the Spirit, you know, and, and to yep. know that, hey, actually we're in good company to do this. It also makes you be cautious of overstepping. The creed is trim. It doesn't say everything that we want it to say. And so it gives the preacher pause before saying, well, this is what that text means, you know? Well, don't overextend yourself. Yeah. There's a <laughs> like a, there, there's a humility to be careful before you race off into your own territory there and say too much. Trim it up, brother. There are a lot of pastors out there, I think, that would be nervous about using the creed because it sounds, it, it is ancient. <laughs> and it sounds ancient. And you go, how are we going to speak the language of modern people? when we're using this really old thing. But actually, there's something about the creed that really resonates with people, especially people that are living in this age where we're searching for some kind of rootedness and depth and meaning. When a church stands up in the middle of a rootless generation and says, we believe, and that we believe comes from somewhere, it has a resonance that's really unique. Have you guys experienced that too? And Absolutely. in what ways are you seeing that? This is every tribe, tongue, and nation and people group for... 1700 years and really even beyond that that have been saying this truth mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I want to know that I'm tethered to something I want to know that I didn't get swept up into something that someone 150 years ago thought was awesome and that sort of paid their bills like this is the thing there was a man who was dead and he is yet alive and he reigns forever and he has a father who called him from the grave and his spirit is racing throughout the yep. yeah, so I just think that people uh, it may sound counterintuitive intuitive, but people are loving that they're being engrafted into something that was here way before them and that will far outlast their yeah. life. 
I mean, there is a profound sense of kind of spiritual dislocation, you know, where, where people feel like, I don't know where I really belong. I don't know where I really fit. And to be honest, with all of the plethora of blogs and podcasts, I mean, it, it does feel like popularity has the day over sure. credibility, you sure. know, and so we don't even know what's credit. And I'm playing on words here on purpose, creed and, and credibility. They share the same sort of root, the idea of belief and where are we grounded? And so again, the, the sense of knowing that we aren't the first to arrive, that we can trust this, that we, that this has lasted, that we're confessing things that you name the saints through the ages, that yeah. they too, these words have been on their lips. Eastern too. and Western church. Yes. Yes, yes. We're together. So talk practically for a second here. There's some diversity across New Life's congregations on how even the creed is utilized. So how are we using it across the congregations at New Life? What are you guys working with? What do you find is resonating with your people? How is it fitting nicely in worship when you're using it? We used to at downtown, we used to say it every week. We used to work it into worship. And then, you know, that thing that people fear uh, would happen actually does happen where it starts to become just words that you click by, you know? And so we've taken breaks from it. We've done things where we've lined it up with the seasons of the church calendar, you know, for those who are familiar with that. So during quote unquote ordinary time, you know, in basically the summer and fall, um, we would take a break from it and then we would do it, you know, during Advent or during Lent. I've also found versions of it where you can read it responsively, you know, where a, a leader up front says a line that people say back another line. It's yeah. great fun. And then one of my favorites, one of our pastors downtown, Evan, uh, he had he had everyone doing this during the Easter season, you know, the seven weeks of Easter, he said, hey, whenever you come across a line that just makes you happy, that makes you want to shout, <laughs> just go ahead and shout, Ooh. you know? And that kind of engaged, it was like a tip of the hat to our charismatic culture yep. too, you know? And it was fun. It was great. I, I think that. what we've done around here at New Life is try to keep it as a part of a living liturgy. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing that we're always going to fight for as a church that just believes in the right now work of the Spirit. And so if at any point we're doing this because it's just a part of a sheet that someone handed us so we got to do like hang on let's 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 make sure this is alive and living. But for us around new life like I think seasonally stuff happens the bottom falls out there's bad news there's uncertainty in the nations people are scared. Yeah. This is a great time to stand up and say you know what there's a lot that we don't know but here's what we do know mm -hmm. that the saints for 1700 years have been standing up and in different tongues and all over the Universe, they've been saying, we believe in. And so today, let's hold on to the thing that we can hold on to. We believe in Father, we believe in Son, we believe in Holy Spirit, and there is a church. Mm -hmm. Amen? Amen. Amen. <laughs> Glenn, I want you to just speak to something real quick. One of the things I've heard you say in different contexts is that there's a very big difference between we believe in and I think that. Yeah. Can you talk about the distinction between those two things? Like, how does the creed preserve mystery in the way that it's even stated? Isn't that beautiful? I mean, I think if we were writing this in our day, we would be tempted, certainly, and Daniel, you said this, to use the pronoun I, you know, I, I believe, but we wouldn't say believe, we'd say no, or we might say feel, you know, I feel like, <laughs> or I know that, you know, and I think the creed is larger than that. The we language we've alluded to a bunch and the believe language, I think believe is important. I was talking to a young person in our church the other day, and she was so um, troubled by the fact that she still wrestles with doubt. And I said, listen, if there were no doubts, there would be no need for faith. 
you know, and that actually the presence of doubt, those are the conditions in which faith exists, you know, so you have faith in the face of doubts, not because there aren't any. And so the word believe says these are not sureties and certainties and guarantees in the way that we think of those things. Scientifically empirical. Right. It's this act of belief and, and mystery. And then that word in is an invitation to intimacy, you know, I mean, in doesn't allow us to keep God at a distance. Mm -hmm. This is not propositional truth. This is not some math equation we've worked out in our heads and we know that. This is something that invites us to cling, to hold fast to. Throw your life uh, into. Yes, yes. So so for us, I mean, every time we say the creed at New Life, we're inviting people to do this as an act of worship, you know, to do this with proximity in mind, with intimacy in mind, with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I love that. So let's, uh, just as a closing question here for you, let's suppose that some pastor out there who's listening is at zero with this, so no experience with it, and it certainly hasn't shown up in worship. What kinds of steps can they take if they're curious about starting to integrate this in their church culture? What are the kinds of steps that they can take to start seeding it takes the creed in the places where First it First of be? all, you're not crazy. If that's you, that was us seven years ago, and we're just finding this shiny new toy, going, what in the world is this, and how do you use it, you know? So you're not crazy, but everything in your service will take pastoral instruction. Just like the offering takes pastoral instruction, just like leading people to the table of the Lord takes instruction, just give a simple explanation that, you know what? To be the family of God means we have a shared story. Just like every family gathers around their kitchen table and we say, you know what, we're growthies, therefore we dot, dot, dot. Well, the people of God have had a longer story going on. And to be the people of God, we believe that there is Father and there is Son and there is Holy Spirit. And we believe that there's life eternal. We believe that there's a kingdom that will never end. And so this is just our family statement of faith. Mm -hmm. And just like every family sort of circles back up and reminds themselves of who they are. You can stand up on a Sunday or a Friday night and tell your church, this is who we are. And let's proclaim this today with joy and say, we are the people of God. So good. And it's as natural and as organic and as living as all of that. You know, we did a series on this a couple years ago, and it may be worth digging through the podcast and and listening to Daniel on Friday night or Brady on Sunday morning or me from downtown. Just, you know, pick up a, a few of these phrases that may be helpful. One thing I want to say that where I think this can be a, such a gift to our people, we've talked about the communal aspect of it, the global we, the historic we. We've talked about the intimacy of the Trinitarian dynamic. But there's something else the creed does that's really, that I think really hits a longing in our age, and that's the the need to locate ourselves in history. And what I mean specifically is the creed tells us that history and the world has a beginning and has an ending. The last phrase of the creed, we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. My goodness, the more we live with people and talk with people, there is so much pain, there's so much frailty. What roots us? What yeah, What is the hope that we're orienting toward? And on what basis do we say these things? And the creed says, because we know the risen Christ is the returning Christ, we know what we're looking forward to. Yes. And man, the power of saying that has been a gift to people to look for God in, in ways that are more than just our little uh, lives right now. Don't you ever forget where this story is going, yes. is what the creed ends with. And so, Pastor, you can take your church into the hope of the future yes. by putting the creed in front of them. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Essential Church Podcast. Our goal is always to strengthen and provoke the thinking of church and ministry leaders. And so if you found this or any episode helpful to you, please go to iTunes and leave us a review. 
Your reviews help leaders just like you find our podcast. And if you have any comments or suggestions on people or topics you'd like for us to cover, be sure to let us know via social media. And of course, please do share this and other episodes you find helpful around the web. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you. Thank you.